Amen? It's going to be done. It's the only way it's going to get done. Not through us, right? How many of y'all believe you're very capable? You believe you're a capable person. If you're young and you think that, just wait. You're going to get a little older. You're going to run into things. You're going to realize how incapable you are. And that's not such a bad thing. To be dependent on someone that we can trust. I'm glad through him we can do it. He helps us. Not I, but through Christ. Amen. Would you open your precious Bible this morning to the gospel according to Mark chapter 2. Now while you're turning there. I want to, many of you have asked, uh, Wednesday morning I will have a consult with a surgeon and um, they found this large polyp on my nerve and my nose and uh, y'all pray that that's the problem and uh, the surgeon can remove it and uh, I can start gaining weight again. Somebody say amen. Because y'all know that's what's going to happen. I've lost all this weight. And uh, even Laura said the other day, she said, well, I won't have to cook for four weeks, five weeks. Mark, we have to go to all these restaurants you ain't been able to eat. Y'all know what the first thing I want to taste food-wise? No, sushi. That's what I want. Yep. Can I get a witness on that? Amen. How many of y'all like sushi? How many of you don't like sushi? Will y'all need this message this morning? I believe y'all need to get saved, amen? And I don't believe anybody in their right mind can't like sushi. I mean, who doesn't like seaweed wrap and sticky rice? Raw fish, amen? And so, anyway, Mark chapter 2. Then also, we got some special requests coming up. And we'll say more about it in the future. But uh, we should be praying about all of that. God knows all about it. Um, also, I want to say the ladies, the, the lady that's been asked to speak at the ladies' banquet this year is Faith York. I don't know if you know her, but she's a very accomplished, wonderful songwriter, um, just a good person, good lady. And uh, so I want to encourage you. That's always a big uh, event for our church, the ladies' banquet. We have well over 100 ladies, and it's always a blessed time. So you'll be getting some more information about that. So keep that in mind. That will be in September. But then... In August coming up, actually this is what, the last day of July? Uh, this month coming up, we'll have our family fun day. Now last year, remember, we did something new. We, we, we pitted this side against this side in a very good game of kickball. And uh, so we're going to do the same this year. And uh, we're going to have this side and this side. Y'all are going to have to recruit a team. And if you were there last year, uh, we had a great time. No broken bones. Nobody getting hurt, nobody face planting on the ground this year, and we're going to have a great time. So you don't want to miss a family fun day. We're going to have uh, chicken, and food will always be good, and so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. You don't want to miss it. If you've not been up to Sand Mountain Bible Camp, uh, it's just it's a great day. It's a good day we can relax, and we have great fun, great food. So I want to encourage you. That's the last Saturday of the month in August, and we'll be saying more about it. Uh, Mark chapter 2. Let's begin reading with verse 1. Verse 1, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. I'd like to preach a message right out of that message, say, he's in the house. He's in the house. Is he in the house this morning? But it was noised abroad that he was in the house. Who? Jesus Christ. 
Verse 2, and straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus noticed this, saw their faith. He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now that is an amazing passage of scripture. When he saw their faith. That's, that's amazing. He said to this man, thy sins be forgiven thee. Verse 6, but there were certain of the scribes sitting there <laughs> and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man this speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves. See, they didn't, he knew what was inside he said to them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way unto thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. That's the text. Never seen it on that fashion. Have you ever heard someone say, Well, I just ain't never seen it like that before. Y'all ever heard that in a church? Well, we just ain't never done it like that before. Come on. By the way, if it's right, it's truth, we shouldn't do it any other way. But sometimes things change and sometimes there's a better way. Amen. You ever just sat just thought, why do I do something? You know, uh, I even thought about cooking, you know, ladies that cook. And, and many of them still carry on their tradition. But I thought about these dear precious ladies that have to get up like my grandma. And she would get up and real early in the morning because she had to cook on a wood stove and she'd get up before everybody else was still dark and she'd get all that kindling in that stove. She'd get all that started. She'd get that thing cranked up. And I remember sometimes walking in the kitchen, that thing would be so hot, you could see the iron on the top of the head, the top of the, uh, the cook stove. It was red hot from where she got that thing. And, and I just thought, now, what, if, what can I just say, I'm not being ugly, but we got microwaves today. That's a bachelor's best friend, amen? I done got to meddling in that. I'm just glad we're all awake this morning. Hey, and, uh, but, uh, a microwave. But could you imagine, well, I did it right now, I ain't gonna use that microwave, I'm gonna do it like my grandma did. Well, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why, why, are you, why are you still getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and getting that wood stove all done when you don't have to do that? I mean, now all you got to do is just uh, start the oven. You can preheat it to 450 degrees 
And uh, you say, well, why? Well, we just ain't ever done it that way. Sometimes change is good. It's easier. Maybe more productive. But here's what's amazing to me. We have more ease today and more laziness. More ease today, but more laziness today. No doubt about it. And I could preach on that a while because that's truth. I think that's killing our families. I think it's hurting our families because people are being lazy in their roles. God's given a wife and a husband and a father and a mother roles. And it takes work. It takes effort. We're going to talk about it a little bit today. But I'm trying to set the point. These people that was around. I mean these four men cared so much about this man. They tore the roof off. And lowered this man in. And Jesus saw their faith. And said to this man. You're going to be whole because of their faith. And then of course you ever... You ever just been around somebody that's a stick in the mud? I mean, things are going well. Every time I come across a Pharisee, it's like things are going great, things are going well, and about that time, somebody's just there to suck the life out of it. That's what a Pharisee does. Something good's going on, something great's going on, something's going great in the church, and man, somebody comes up, well, I'll just stay right now, I just don't know if he got saved or not. There's always people out there that want to just be just, just fault finders, cast doubt on everything. And so here this man just got healed and no doubt his life was changed. His family was thankful. But these old Pharisees were there to say, well, I'll tell you what, who's this guy to think he is to forgive sin? I love how the Lord dealt with them. He said, well, what would bother you worse for me to tell them that their sins have been forgiven? Because now I'm getting ready to do something else that's going to bother you. He said, or me to tell him to rise, he's going to walk. I'm going to do a miracle right in front of you. And you're not going to be able to say a thing, but just see it. So about that time, the Lord said, hey, arise and take up thy bed and walk. And this man stood up and walked. And the Bible said immediately he went to the house. So he gave these people two reasons to be mad. Now, stay with me just a moment. Here's what's amazing to me. I would get mad. I would think most people would get mad if Jesus crippled him. I would be, I would think it would be normal for people to get mad if we did something bad. But here was people that got mad because Jesus did something good for somebody. And it's amazing to me, I've learned people that are like pharisaical attitudes, they never want anybody else to be blessed. Like I said this morning, a good, strong Christian that understands Christianity would rather give than receive. But he said we'd never seen it in this fashion before. So in other words, here, here it is. Here's the message. Y'all ready? Never seen it that way before. We just ain't never seen it like that before. We just ain't never seen it like that before. And that's what these folks are saying. So we just ain't never seen it like this before. We've never seen anything like this before. Now, do, how many of y'all try to keep up with fashion? Does anybody here keep up with fashion? In other words, we've got a young man, GQ man back there. He raised his hand. He said he keeps up with fashion. Do y'all know what's in style today? All I'm going to say is this. I don't care. <laughs> I could care less what's in style. Because I've learned something about fashion. It changes. You know, back in the 80s, you know, there came a time where you had these little skinny, skinny ties. 
they come out in the 80s, man. Everybody wore those little skinny ties. And, you know, then in the 70s, you had these great big polyester ties, you know. And it looked like, you know, they had just, I mean, and, and it's kind of funny. It goes, I, I hate big tie knots, as you can tell. I pull mine down as tight and as little as I can get it. Because, man, in the 70s, man, it seemed like you just had to have them great big old polyester knots. Somebody say, man, you know what I'm talking about? But then in the 80s, they got a little different. They started getting them little skinny ties. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And then they got them ones where they were them square block ties. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Then they'd have them square block. And then there was a fashion back in the 80s, I remember, because of a certain television show. There was a particular man on that television show. He never wore socks. And he wore a blazer all the time. He wore these real uh, electric-like looking t-shirts with always a sports coat over. And so everybody, all the guys were dressed like that. And I learned something about that. I wanted to be stylish. And so I would never wear socks with my shoes. And my shoes was never able to be in the house because my dad made me leave them out on the porch. Because they would stink the whole living room up. If you think I'm lying, I'm dying. They'll tell you. Mark's home. How you know that the living room stinks? His shoes are sitting in here. Because I was trying to be like Crockett. Somebody say amen. You say, what was you trying to do, Pastor Mark? I was trying to set a fashion. I was wanting to set a fashion. And you know what? I think we ought to get kind of away from trying to set fashions. I think we ought to be more concerned about setting fashion spiritually. The same people that are interested in setting a fashion in their clothing and trying to stay in style like Crockett and all of those things. I'm just going to say to you, I've learned this. We are living in a day when religion has failed to meet the needs of people. Amen. Let me say it again. We're living in a day where religion has failed to meet the needs of people. A bunch of do's, a bunch of don'ts, a bunch of thou shouts and thou shouts. And you got to do this because we did it like this 25 years ago. And by the way, y'all know what I believe about the Bible. We want to have our practice here based on the Bible. But I want you to know something. I am not interested in setting fashions as far as this world's concerned. Because this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. But I do think that we ought to be interested in setting some fashion in the, in the fact of the church and in God's work. And, and we ought to be fashion setters. I think our church ought to be a fashion setting church. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean out of the ordinary. Different. When someone mentions the word or the name, Tiftonia Baptist... There ought to be a thought process that goes along with that. And they might not like us because what we believe. But they cannot deny the fact that we are a group of people. Yes, we're human. Yes, we're sinners. But we have a perfect God. And we try to have the right attitude and wisdom and spirit in this world in which we're living in. And we are trying to help people come to the knowledge that they need a Savior, Jesus Christ. Fashion setter. I believe that's the way Tiftonia Baptist. We ought to be like these four men. By the way, these men, all it says that he was born by four. In other words, four men had four corners of that bed. We don't even know their names, but they changed the world. So never have seen it that way before. Can I just say, how did they set a new fashion? And how should we set some fashions around here? Number one, I think we ought to set a new fashion by their... They set a new fashion by their faith, and we need to set a new fashion by our faith. Notice with me, and I emphasize it as I was reading through the first time. The Bible said, and when the Lord saw their faith. 
Can I ask you all a question? Who's seeing your faith? Second question. Do you care if anybody knows you have faith? Number three. Who or what is your faith in? I'm going to be honest. We live in a day now where I think most Christians' faith is in the world more so than the Lord. We come to church on Sundays and we kind of categorize our life. Okay, that's Sunday. We're going to go. We're going to listen to a message. We're going to be a part of church. But then the rest of the week, we're just going to live any other way. We're going to put our faith in this and this and this and this and this and that. And I want you to know something. We ought to be setting a fashion in who and what our faith is in. There's no doubt. These people had a faith in God that was in, it was, it was unmistakable. You can't deny why? I'm going to just tell you this. Here's why they had faith. They believed Christ had a concern for this man. If they didn't believe that, they certainly wouldn't have caused thousands of worth of damage to that building to get him there. Who you think fixed that roof later? I just have enough belief that those four men that had enough faith in God to help that man get help. I have enough. Look, if they were, did the work, they did the damage and they had nothing. The character of these men, I can promise you that it's never answered in the Bible. God doesn't go into it and it's fine. It really doesn't matter who fixed the roof. I just have a sneaky suspicion the four did. that's what people of character do. I mean, if they have faith in God that they're going to tear up a roof and they're going to put their money where their mouth is and say, we got to get this guy to Jesus because I know if anybody will and can help him, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Do y'all know what? That takes faith. We're running around in this world getting people to everyone and everything but to Jesus. We're running around. Hey, we're sending our children. By the way, I'm not being ugly. I know there are times people need talk to. They need counsel. They need help. But I'm going to tell you something right now. The greatest need your children need is the Lord Jesus Christ. He created them. And that counsel that you're sending them to, I want you to know something. Without God giving him the wisdom or her the wisdom to give him counsel they need, I want you to know something. They have no wisdom within themselves. Jesus Christ, they had so much faith. They said, we've got to get him to Jesus. That took faith. Y'all with me this morning? How many of you know somebody, they're in a mess? Their life is in a mess. Their life is destroyed. Their life continues to be ruined. And they've tried everything this world offers. And I want you to know something. We might can clean some people up. But I want you to know something right now. The only one that will do a complete heart transplant in someone is the Lord Jesus. Man, they set a new fashion by their faith. You say, how do you know, Pastor? Because they just believed that Jesus loved this man and was concerned about this man. And was so faithful to that fact, they tore the roof down to get him there. Number two, I believe they set a new fashion by their faith because they believed Christ had a concern for the man. But they set a pattern in faith in Christ that they had a concern for somebody. You know what Christianity has become? We've become very calloused and very selfish. 
They just got to get it themselves. They just got to do it themselves. They just got to help themselves. And by the way, I think that should happen. But there's a time every once in a while that there are people that should have a concern for people because that's what Jesus has a concern for. Y'all do know that we changed the logo of our church. And I'm just going to be honest with y'all. I plan to stick to it. That wasn't just a cute little cliche out there, a church of the heart. By the way, I'm going to be honest with you. I can tell you exactly where that came from. It did not come here until I came here. I met with the pulpit committee. I met with some of the deacons. And we sat around and talked. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was appreciative of their concern. By the way, I'm going to tell you a little bit about your men and your pulpit committee 13 years ago. They were interested in the standards of this church. They were interested in the truth of this church. I'm going to tell you what they were really interested in. They wanted to make sure we had the right spirit here. And I'm just going to let y'all know something. I am through with the spirit of standing around over our pharisaical nose and looking down upon people and thinking people are unspiritual un or un just because they don't dot their I's and cross their T's just like we do. Amen. We've run off on so many tangents throughout the years. We've left so many people bleeding on the floor. And it seems like some of our own people have just kicked them as they walked out the door with some of the words. That they've used. And you say, Pastor, it doesn't happen. I know it happened. It was done to me. I was in a, I was in a 300, probably 300 people was in that meeting that night. And there was a preacher that just thought that he was going to use me an example in front of all those people. And I'm going to be honest with you. He thought he was being spiritual about it. I want you to know if you invite somebody here to this church, I want them to know that they're loved and they will be helped when they're here. I think anything other than that is sinful. Amen. We're not a part of it. I, re, I will absolutely, I am repulsed to that spirit. Amen. And we don't have that spirit here. And all God's people said. Amen. Why? Because I'm going to be honest with you. We should be a church with a heart. Why are we a church with a heart? Because I'm glad Jesus is with a heart. Hey, look here. When I wasn't looking for him, when I wasn't trying to do live for him, when I wasn't trying to be what I should be for him, he always had me on his mind. He loved me anyway. By the way, you say, Pastor, how did you get found? He found me. I wasn't come looking for him. He came finding me. And by the way, he knows enough about us to find us. And I'm glad he found me and he loved me right where I was and he helped me get to where I am and I have a whole lot farther to go. They showed that they had a concern. You know, old-fashioned concern. It, 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 you can't pay it. I thought about Miss Linda Eller. She's over there in that nursing home. And I, I, can't remember, I cannot ever forget her words. There was people in our church that had a concern for them. They reached out to us and said, would you go and see them? We went to the hospital. We went and seen them. Their grandson was having surgery. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. She didn't know us. She knew a few people in the church. But I'll never forget that day. Miss Eller looked at me and she said, you're going to get some members because of this. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder who she's talking about. She's talking about herself. You say, what God are there? You're preaching? Look at me. No. By the way, I do believe if you're going to be here in this church, and you know I'm very interested in this, I, I hope you can grow. I want you to grow. But I want to tell you something right now. I think the spirit and attitude of a church is just as important. 
You know why many of our members have come and they become members of our church? Because they know we're a church with a heart. We ought to be concerned about the world. We ought to be concerned about our neighbor. And more importantly, we ought to be concerned about one another. Why? This, these people had such faith. They said, we're going to tear down that wall. We're going to tear down that roof to get this man to Jesus because we love him. By the way, it's easy to love your family. How about we start loving some enemies? Can I say they set a new fashion by their faith because they believed Jesus had a concern for them. They obviously showed they had concern for this man. But number three, they just believed <laughs> that Christ had the power to help him. That's simple, isn't it? I was told this morning, I'm thankful for it. Because you know what? We're all human. We all, we all struggle. We all do. Including me. I had some dear precious lady come to me in the hall. And here's all she said. She said, Pastor, I just want you to know something. She said, if you don't think people are listening, people are listening. I don't know about y'all, but that, I needed that this morning. You know why? Because there's a lot of days I go home in the evenings. I said, well, I wasted my time today. Every time I counsel with somebody and we pour our heart out to somebody and give people advice and we give people truth. And they just do absolutely nothing with it. I'm going to be honest with you. It, it discourages me. Are y'all with me? I feel like I've wasted my time. Y'all ever felt like that? But you know why I say all of that? It's not me anyway. Here's what amazed me about their faith. They just knew if they could get that man to Jesus, Jesus would do right by him. Do you know why we ought to be inviting everybody we can to church while we ought to be talking to people about the Lord and have faith in the Lord? Because he's the only one that can truly help them. That takes faith. Can I say they set a new fashion by their faith because they knew they had no faith at all in this man. They had watched him. They seen him. He was bedridden. Here's the other thing that they showed faith in. They had complete faith in this man's inability to help himself. Do you know what sometimes we think of people with, oh, they'll be all right. Sometimes we think about that like our children. Oh, they'll be all right. They'll come through that. Well, not always. Sometimes they need some guidance. Sometimes they need some help. Sometimes they need some training. Sometimes they need instruction. But I will say this. I know this. Just like I said a moment ago, the song that they sung this morning. Not I. You know, it takes faith in the Lord to realize when we're unable and he is able. And they just knew. They had watched this man. This man had tried to get up. This man had tried to do everything the doctors told him to do. He tried to get up. But those men had complete faith that this man was not able to help himself. So they took him to Jesus. Now, I don't know about y'all, but they set a new fashion in that. I'm afraid we're living in a day where we think, well... They'll get help if they want it. Well, I understand that's true, but I think we ought to be people bearing people, trying to help people, trying to have so much faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that if someone's got problems, Jesus can solve it. 
They set a new fashion by their faith. Can I just say this quickly, and I'll close on this thought. They set a new fashion, and this is where I want to stay for the next 10 minutes. They set a new fashion by their concern. You know what's convicting to me? As I was studying and preparing for this message, this is how convicting, this is how this hit me. If this story was written today, I'm convicted by this. This is not a scold to you. This is just gives us conviction. I want you to think about it. In the society we live in, the way, we ra- the way we're raising our children, the form of Christianity we have today that respect and concern is went right out the window. And concern, I'm going to be honest with you, it amazes me how callous this younger generation is. I'm just going to say this, I get it, when I was younger, I get it. I might not have always appreciated my parents, but I'm going to tell you something now. At 48 years of age, as much as they've done for me, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to show respect and love, and I'm going to have concern for my parents. I might not have to obey them anymore because the Bible says that we're to honor and obey our parents. But that obedience goes away when you have your own family. But I'm going to tell you something right now. It amazes me how callous we've gotten in the attitude of concern today. We just expect our parents and our grandparents to do the things that we should be doing. Oh, they'll do it. They'll, get, they'll take care of it. Oh, they're my crutch. They're, oh, they can do it. I'll call them. I'll put them out. And you say, Pastor, why are you preaching on this? Because there's a point here. If we can't even have concern and love and thoughtfulness for our families, do you honestly think that we're going to have any concern for a stranger? You know why they set a new fashion by their concern? I'm going to tell you right now. Here's what's convicting to me. You know that if this man was alive today, where he'd be. If this story was written today... Do you know what I'm afraid? What would have happened to this man? I'm going to tell you what. He'd still be laying in that bed. He'd still be laying in that bed. He'd still be laying in that bed. Because I don't see a whole lot of Christians setting a new fashion in their faith and being so concerned about somebody that they actually put themselves out. Oh, Pastor, I will if it's convenient. I'll give to that offering if I have it. Or I'll, I'll do that if I can. But as far as you asking me to put myself out to be concerned about somebody, aren't you glad Jesus Christ showed us concern when we didn't deserve it? Look, these men showed such concern, they busted up a roof. That's work. That's sweat. That's hard. And then they had to pay for the repairs. Do you know what most church members today would have been upset? They'd have been more upset that the roof was messed up than the man got healed. Oh my goodness, I ain't never seen that done before, Pastor. I can't believe you let them tear that roof up. Well, wait a minute, just a second. A man got saved. I don't care. I ain't never seen it like that. Could we not get somebody saved without having to spend money? 
What are y'all printing all them tracks for? What are you spending all that money on vacation? Bible school? Why are you doing all that? Well, I just want you to know, I think that uh, we're trying to set a new fashion in faith and concern. What are you taking up that offering for? Well, I want to have a concern, especially for people in our own church. Why are we fixing these meals for people in a time of loss? Listen, why? Because we want to set a new fashion in concern for people. Can I say, you younger generation, you ought to have respect and love and concern for your parents and your grandparents. And you ought to have concern and love and respect for every older person here. They earned it and deserve it from you. Concern. I'm going to tell you what we need. We just need an old-fashioned revival in concern. For instance, your schedule, my schedule. You say, well, Pastor, I ain't going to live like that. But you know, if I know somebody's in a hurry and they got things to do, that might make me step a little faster to get out of people's way. Why? Because I actually care and concern. Someone might have a schedule to keep. Concern. Being aware of that. I mean, it matters. I'm going to be honest with you. I get frustrated with that at times, and I sometimes do it. But look, you say, well, Pastor, I'm not going to live my life by other people's schedule. Well, if you care about people, you will. If you're concerned about their time, what they've got going on, what they're doing, yes, it matters. We should be a people of concern. We ought to set a new fashion in that today. You say, well, Pastor, nobody else does it. Well, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. What about us? If these four men did not have concern for this man, that man would have died in that bed. No help, no hope, no nothing. Here's the application. How about you? When's the last time you've had old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction where you've been selfish? You know people that are always depressed and discouraged. I'm going to tell you one of the problems. They're only thinking about themselves. Because I can promise you this. You go with me. You go with me. You go to me with the hospitals. You go to make the visits with me. You, you sit in my office from week to week. And some of the things that I hear. I'm going to be honest with you. That's one good thing about hearing certain things. Because I'm going to tell you all something right now. There is always someone that has it worse than I have it. And I'm constantly reminded of that. And so if we would get more concerned about others and sitting there just sitting at a pity party on ourselves, I tell you, I don't want to live that way. I don't. It's miserable. Sitting around only thinking about what... I don't have or what's not best for me or why didn't that happen to me? I don't want to live there. I, I think as a Christian, we ought to set a new fashion on a concern. Why? Wow, I'm telling you right now, these folks showed they had concern for this man. You know why? Here's another thing. This man couldn't offer no service to them. So that kind of throws, well, I'll tell you right now, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Real concern is not doing something for somebody thinking you're going to get something in return. See, here, here's what happened. Everybody felt sorry for that man. Oh, we'll pray for you. And by the way, we should pray for each other. 
But they felt sorry for that man. And, they, and you, you know what I'm talking about. They walked by that man. People said, oh, I'm, I feel sorry for you. I, I, oh, I'm, I'm, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. But there was something different. Oh, I wish we could find you some kind of help. I, I wish, we could, wish we could do something for you. I bet you this man heard that a lot. But these four, they just didn't say, oh, we'll pray for you. They just didn't say, hey, we feel sorry for you now. I'll tell you something. They did something about it. Now, I don't know about y'all, but y'all know as well as I do. There's people in your life. There's people in your life right now. There's people in this church right now that you know as well as I do. You don't have to be told a thing. You know. You know. You could be a blessing to them if you just do it. Amen. I'm just going to tell you, I believe this church, and by the way, it ain't all about numbers. I believe this church would grow like you've never seen it before if we'd set a new fashion of just good old-fashioned concern. Let people know we care. Hey, there's a church down there at 518 Browns Ferry Road. I'll tell you one thing, they're weird. They'll preach to you. They'll, they'll, I'm telling you, they believe the Bible. They, they, they look like Christians. They talk like they even like. They even got joy when they go into church. You ever been in a church and everybody's sitting there and they all look like they're sitting on a lemon? I wouldn't want to live in a church like that. I'll tell you right now, one thing about them. I, I don't know if I understand their preaching. I don't understand if I understand all the things they believe. But I'm going to tell you one thing that can't be denied. They just showed me. They love me. That's huge. How about we said it? And by the way, if you, and by the way, I need to work on this. But if you think you're paying a pastor to do all that, I want to help everybody here. I can't do it. I'm, I'm now 48 years old. I'm just going to tell you right now. I am not physically, and I know 48, y'all are looking at me. Oh, poor little thing. But I'm telling y'all, I am not physically able to be able to do that to every person in this church and every person that this church touches. That's what's beautiful about a church family. If we all will set a new fashion and being concerned for people, imagine what God would do with that. Some people have that. Well, that's what the pastors are for. No, that's what you're here for. That's what I'm here for. But that's what we're all. Can you imagine how much of a blessing we can be in this valley? If we would just start breaking some roofs apart. And start doing some things. And setting some new facts. And say man. And by the way. You might even get ridiculed by somebody here. Well what's he think he is? He trying to impress the pastor? He think he. Look y'all say. Where you get this? Hey look I've been in this thing a while. I don't know how people are. Well, I'll tell you right now. You're just trying to be holy. Now you're just trying to be seen of people. Well you know what? These boys didn't care. They busted the roof open. They set a new fashion. Now how about us? And I really want to close on that. Concern. 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 Real care. I mean, put yourself out there. By the way, I'm going to be honest. I know some of you love to write. I, by the way, I'm not a very good writer. But do you know what means more to people? A handwritten letter. 
A handwritten card, not a text. By the way, that's easy. But I'm going to tell you, if you want to be a blessing, just handwrite something. Let God put somebody on your mind and just handwrite them a card. Maybe just a note. I'm telling you right now, you know what it does? It shows concern. Good old-fashioned revival. They set a new fashion in concern. There is no doubt those four men, there was no question that they did not have a concern for this man. We'll finish this message tonight. I want to give the application this way. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to ask you to do this. I want you to take a minute. I'm going to ask you right now, somebody in your realm of life, your sphere of life, I want you to think of somebody that you know is struggling. I want you to think of somebody that you know could use a pick-me-up. Maybe they've just lost a family member. And when we say that's probably the wrong thing to say is lost. We ain't lost Mr. Collins and we ain't lost Tim Fowler. We know exactly where they are. But someone might have just been diagnosed with the bad news. Maybe somebody's dealing with something. Maybe you just know a little bit more about them and they're discouraged right now. Can I ask you a question? Would you be willing to set a new fashion in just you personally? Showing that person or those persons some old-fashioned concern. Now, here's what I'm going to ask. How many of you, and no one's looking, but how many of you have gotten somebody on your mind? Already you know of that person. Would you slip your hand up? Can I ask you this question? Will you get their face in your mind? Will you see them? In your mind's eye, will you see them? Can you picture them? Now, with that picture in your mind, I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord to help you. How can you, to give you the wisdom, how you can set a new fashion in showing that person or those persons real old-fashioned that they know you love them and care about them. You never know what God will do with that. Let's stand on our feet. I'm going to ask... As we close this morning, if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I beg you, I plead with you, come. We will take the Bible and show you how to be saved. But I'm going to ask this as we close. How many of you, with head bowed and eyes closed, you have that person's face in your mind? Would you slip your hand up? Can I ask you to do this? They're going to begin to play. Find a place quickly now in this altar, your pew, with those faces in your mind, you ask God to help you to show real old-fashioned concern for those first persons. Do something about it. Do something about it. Don't just say, oh, I feel sorry for him and he knows it. No, 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 no. Do something about it. Do something about it. Do something about it. That man would still be laying in that bed if four men didn't do something about it. Talking wasn't going to get it done. Sitting there and analyzing the situation wasn't going to get it done. People had to be concerned and do something about it. Christian, the Christian life is a life of action. 
could be a card. It could be a phone call. It could be maybe a handshake and it's loaded. I don't know. Whatever. When I say loaded, it's got more than just your germs in it. Think about it now. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray, I thank you for the testimony of this man. But Lord, not only the testimony of this man, the testimony of the four. We don't even know their names. Because of their faith and because of their concern, this man not only got saved, but he was healed. He was able to live a normal life. Lord, I know that if we try to please you like we should, we're going to have critics. Lord, I pray that will not stop us. I pray you'll set a new fashion in our concern and our faith. We thank you for what you've done in our midst this morning. Help us continue to speak to us. We ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's people say it. God bless you. Now listen, I, we don't hardly ever do this. Give me a second. Let, let Laura and I get to the back so you, we can greet some folks. I didn't get to say hi to everybody I want to today. Brother Don, will you close us in? That's right. Is Brother Jim up here yet? Thank you. That's great. I'm glad. Y'all can tell.